we we throw around goat, but she she's literally the greatest the greatest player I've ever seen play. Period. She's the greatest person in practice. She's the greatest person um, in warmups. She's the greatest player every single day for the Mercury, for Team USA, for her teams in Russia, no matter where she is. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Outlet Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Smith, and today we have the COO of the Phoenix Mercury, Vince Kozar, joining us. Vince, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Lindsay. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to uh, get to know a little bit more of your day-to-day and behind the scenes, because one of the things that I'm so fascinated by with people within our organization and within our industry is just their journey and their path to where they are today. So you're the COO of the Phoenix Mercury, but you didn't always have that role. So give us the breakdown where you got started and how you made that journey to where you are today. Yeah, you know, I'm one of those people, I'd like to call it an uncommon story, but the more people you meet in sports, um, you find a lot of people who actually are lifers. Um, The Suns organization, the Mercury organization is the only place I've ever worked as an adult. Um, I was 19 years old. I was a sophomore at ASU. I was in the Cronkite School of Journalism when it was still at main campus. So that's how old I am. And I was walking on like the third floor and there was a literal bulletin board. Again, that's how old I am. I think now it's all digital signage, but there was an actual bulletin board and tacked to it was uh, a communications internship with the Phoenix Suns. There was a big Suns logo on it. Um, And I thought, and I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what communications and sports meant, but you know, I was a journalism major and I um, basically born and raised in Phoenix and a lifelong Suns fan. And I thought, you know, that's for me. And I think it was posted up there so that people would see it and write down the information and reach out. I just tore it down off the bulletin board. I thought that would help my chances. Um, and, you know, I got that internship and that, that was um, 2004, which was Robert's first year of ownership. It was the first year of seven seconds or less and Steve coming back. It was, it was lightning in a bottle, um, even just as an intern. Um, and so really, um, that internship turned into um, an internship on the Mercury side as well, turned into a communications position on the Mercury side, turned into a communications position on the Sun side, turned into, um, you know, sort of climbing the ladder. Um, and 16 years later, solely because of good bosses, people who empowered me, people who believed in me, um, not only am I still a part of this organization, but um, I get to run run the Merc, which is very near and dear to my heart. That's amazing. I always love to hear when people started, you know, as kind of an intern or an entry level position, be able to work their way all the way up to the top, because I mean, that's the goal for a lot of people, let's be honest. But what would you say are some of the biggest pieces of advice or life lessons that you have learned uh, along the way? Yeah, so I mean, there's probably some I can impart and I'll definitely try and answer your question, but because it, it, it's a good one, but I always start off my answer to questions like that, acknowledging how lucky and fortunate I've been. Um, and that's a big piece of it. Like this, this doesn't happen just to everyone. And, and I'm, I'm very grateful for where I've been. And I've had some good luck along the way. But, you know, I think um, I, I've, I, this was, you know, five or six years. No, I'm sorry. This was probably 10 years ago. David Stern came to visit um, the Suns organization. And um, at the time, Rick Welts was our president and Welts had worked for David Stern for a really long time. And so they talked to our entire organization and 
Rick, uh, or, or excuse me, David had talked about um, how great it was when Rick worked for him and all this stuff. And, and the advice that Rick imparted to the group that, of us that was assembled was, um, you know, everybody says, you know, choose your spots wisely and, and, and all that. But the, the really good advice is to choose your bosses wisely. And it was his way of complimenting Commissioner Stern. But it, it's also something that stuck with me because without people who see you, believe in you, um, want to empower you, aren't threatened by your success. I mean, that's the way you grow. And so to have been associated with, with people all along the way, as I have, who have given me opportunities um, that I have maybe earned and who have given me opportunities that even maybe I felt I wasn't maybe ready for, um, you know, that's how I got here. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, I've, I've worked pretty hard. Um, and, and I really do, um, I believe in this organization, I believe in its, its spot in our city, and I'm, I'm very much um, uh, enamored with the mission of the Mercury. That's what gets me out of bed every day. So, you know, I think that's what's done it, um, really believing in it um, and caring about it and just having the right bosses and, and really trying to pay that forward as well. Yeah, I think that's one of the really cool pieces of our industry. And I'm sure it happens in other industries too, but I know this one is that the person before you had somebody before them pull them along. So they're always willing to extend a hand to you and pull you along as well. And I think that is so, it's just such an amazing feeling to have somebody who's willing to do that for you at, at every stage of your career. So I love that a lot. And I think it makes you a good boss when you get to that point because then you have the, the experience to be a good leader. It should, right? Like someone held the door open for you, you have to hold it open for the people behind you. And listen, you learn things all along the way from good bosses and, and other bosses and how you wanna do things, how you wanna be led. And you know, you learn that everybody's different, um, but you know, are we all rowing in the same direction? And, and fortunately you and I, Lindsay, are part of an organization where, where by and large we really are. Absolutely. All right. So I love the, the work in sports part of this conversation, but we're going to move on to the next topic. But before we do, what's your piece of advice for the next generation who is trying to follow in your footsteps and uh, get their start in sports? Yeah, so I, my first piece of advice would be um, there's only one James Jones. So if you think working in sports means you want to be the GM of, a, of an NBA team, like get in line, that's, that's, that's point one. But if you are open to learning, if you have an area of expertise um, that you think you can bring to sports, if you're, I always tell people, um, like, you're going to be walking down the hall towards someone and your job is to make sure when that person sees you, they're going to have one of three reactions. Either they don't care or they're dreading it or they're looking forward to it. And so your goal, your job is to be the person that they're looking forward to, to passing. But, you know, my piece of advice is to work really hard. Like Lindsay, you know, as well as anyone, like this isn't, if you want to work in sports, this isn't nine to five, five days a week. It's just not. So um, it takes more hours. It takes more days. Um, the schedules are different. Um, especially when I was on the sun side um, and the team was, you know, pretty darn good. We were playing on Christmas day every day. Um, that's part of it. But if, if it's a big piece of your life, if it means something to you, then, then, you know, there are opportunities to be found for sure. Fans, did you know only 20 to 30% of students who are bullied tell adults or authorities? That leaves the vast majority of children to believe that they have no one to turn to and are left to suffer alone. We don't want our children to feel this way. If you want more information 
on how to talk to kids about bullying, how to help them through bullying, and how to stop bullying, visit muststopbullying.org. You've worked on the sun side, you've worked on the mercury side. That means you probably have twice as many stories as our guests usually have on this podcast. So tell me your favorite suns and your favorite mercury memory. Oh man. Um, so let's start with sons. Um, there was, because I, I was an intern in 04, 05, 06, and I was in the communications department in 07, 08, 09, and 10. So in there, there in whatever that is, six, seven years, there's, there's playoff appearances in every one of those years. And so the memories really from the two biggest memories for me are, um, Oh six, oh seven. Um, it's the, the after the hip check game. Um, we come back home. So Steve, Steve gets hip checked by Robert Ory. Um, sons come back home. We're without Amari. We're without Boris. Um, and that building was as loud as I've ever heard it in my time in Phoenix. It, uh, the combination of a love for the sons, the high stakes really not liking the Spurs and just absolutely hating what was being done to us by the league office. Um, that building was as loud as I've ever heard it. And the, the game was incredible. Unfortunately, we didn't win, but that one will always stick out to me. And the other one that will always stick out is um, the last time we were in the playoffs, which was um, 2010. A um, couple moments, just um, the first round series against Portland clinching that on the road um, and seeing how happy that team was, was incredible. And, and looking back, it's just an incredible group. Um, Alvin Gentry was the head coach. Steve Kerr was the GM. The second round was against, was against Spurs though. And it's the series where, you know, Goran goes off for 26 and a quarter. We sweep them. Uh, we clinch that series on the road. Steve's face is all busted up. Um, that run was absolutely unbelievable. Unfortunately, it ended in the next round against the Lakers and Kobe, but you know, given everything that's happened in the, in the course of the last year, that, that makes that a, a really memorable experience as well, um, getting to see Kobe up close like we did. So, um, you know, a lot of great memories on the Sunside, worked with a lot of great people. And that's the bigger thing, Lynn's like some of the best friends um, I have. Um, last summer I was in a wedding. Um, it, 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 it's all been people who I've, I've gotten to know and gotten to meet through, through how much time I've spent with this, with this great organization. On the Merck side, I mean, um, so I've been in the building for all three of our championship clinching games um, in 07, 09, and 14. Two of those were on the road. One of them was at home in 2009, was unbelievable, uh, winning game five at home of the WNBA finals. That's the also the loudest I've ever heard our building. Um, but really, you know, like I said, I started with our organization in 2004. That was the year Diana Taurasi was drafted. Um, I've gotten to work with her, um, Penny Taylor, and just great people, great players um, for, for my entire career. And so, um, you know, to literally say the greatest player of all time is someone who I, I consider a friend, who is someone who I've gotten to see at the peak of her game for her entire career, gotten to see win championships and win an MVP. I mean, that's, that's something that, is, you know, I try not to take for granted. That's something that I'll always remember. I love those stories, um, especially like making those lifelong connections because that is something that is 
like you just cherish it because it becomes a part of you. It's a part of your journey. Uh, you do have a really cool story that I want you to tell about Bill Russell. Uh, you shared this with us internally a little while ago, but I think it's kind of a neat story that we should share publicly if you're down for it. Yeah, no, I'm totally down for it. Okay. Um, and and I, I can give you some better ones other than just highlight moments too. But in terms of the Bill Russell story, um, it was 2007 um, on the Mercury playoffs. First round we played uh, up in Seattle and you know, it was the first game of the series. We didn't know what, what that playoffs was going to be, but Bill Russell lives in Seattle. Um, he's a very good friend of Ann Myers Drysdale, who we, is still a colleague of ours, who was our general manager at the time. And Annie had Bill come in and speak to um, our team after the game in the locker room. And, and Bill, who's won, you know, what, 12 NBA championships or whatever it is, um, you know, he told the group that, you know, you have to – remember these moments and hold on to these moments because this group doesn't matter what what team you play for doesn't matter what league doesn't matter how good you are doesn't matter how stable your organization is that group of people is never going to be together again it's just the way it works and um so for, to start off that run hearing from probably the greatest winner of all time in the nba um giving us that advice and for that group to eventually go on and win a championship. Um, not to mention the fact that at the time I was like 23 years old, um, that's, that's some sage wisdom, right? And, and that's a group of people that you'll, that I'll never forget. It's a group of people that I still remember. Um, and, you know, suffice it to say he was right. Right. And so I, I remember that, you know, I, I've told that story internally. I remember it because it's true every year. It's not just true the year you win the championship. It's not just true. Um, um, one year at a time. It's true every year. I think it's a good story to share because internally it makes sense, right, from our perspective, because we're working day, day, in, day in and day out with these men and women, but also from a fan perspective, like cherish these moments of this team and the uniqueness of these specific seasons. I mean, this one in and of itself is a perfect example, right? Uh, the Mercury being in the wobble, the Suns being in the bubble, all the different accomplishments and just the nuances of how this season went. You're never going to experience something like this again, hopefully. <laughs> well, hopefully this year you don't repeat, but you're right. Like, and you, the, there are these moments that, you know, they can, you sit down to watch a game or you sit down to like, okay, the Suns are going down to Orlando or okay, the Mercs playing in the first round of the playoffs like they do every year. And you sit down to watch a game and you don't know that you may end up watching something that you will literally remember for the rest of your life, right? So, you know, we've talked about past Suns playoff games, certainly the Suns run in the wobble and Devin's game winner and the team going 8-0 and just how just likable, lovable, if I can say that, the team was. And then on the Merck side, like, um, you know, we, we, we get a buzzer-beating game winner in the first round of the playoffs to, to eliminate – Washington to send us to the next round like you just you don't see that right and so you, you you have these moments that it's like well it's just another Tuesday night but it's I will literally remember where I was and what I was doing um, and who I was with when when I watched that and when I remember that and and frankly that's the great thing about sports and it's the great thing it's it's what keeps me coming back it's why so many of our fans love it so much obviously but you know those moments um that, that, you, that sort of transcend time that you always remember and, and how it brings you together with other people, 
Um, that's why sports is just so important and the difference that it can make. And so, you know, we saw that in the bubble and the wobble this year, and we certainly saw it um, in the wobble with the Merck with not only on the court, but everything we were doing off the court as well. If you've ever asked yourself, what exactly is bullying? Well, bullying is repeated, unwanted, hurtful behavior where a person or group is stronger or holds some sort of power over the person being bullied. This behavior is physical, psychological, social, or educational and inflicts harm or distress on the target. If you'd like to get information on how you can recognize bullying and how you can help prevent bullying, head to muststopbullying.org. Just, just so much to unpack here, right? So let's start off with Diana Taurasi. Obviously, she came back, was able to play at a very high level. Um, you know, there was a little uncertainty there, I'm sure, whether she wanted to admit it or not. But to be able to see her perform the way that she did, how neat was that for you, especially being how close you are? Yeah, I mean, she is... We, we throw around GOAT, but she, she's literally the greatest, the greatest player I've ever seen play, period. And to have been here to experience the arc of her career, she's the greatest person in practice. She's the greatest person um, in warm-ups. She's the greatest player every single day for the Mercury, for Team USA, for her teams in Russia, no matter where she is. And so, you know, to... And she always has the highest expectations and she always has the highest standards. So last year, what she went through with her back surgery and her hamstring injury and not being able to get right and not being able to get back on the court, um, you know, at, at her, let's say, level of experience, we don't say age, but at her level of experience, like, you know, you just don't know, right? Everything is fragile. And, you know, watching from afar or even from up close, you know, I have people texting me, calling me, emailing me like, hey, is, is she really coming back? Is she done? What are you guys expecting? And, you know, she was honest as we went into the wobble. You know, she has a family at home. She has a young kid. And she still went down there even without him because in her words, she said, like, I want to see if I can still do it. And like, there's nothing more, there was something just like so sobering, so crazy about that. Like, want to see if you can still do it. Like, you're the greatest that has ever played like I don't I don't know if you can call it doubt but like even just the existence of that thought process was so sobering to me and so you know I saw how she worked in the offseason and I saw her at the arena our arena on the practice court every day right up until we shut the building down in March and for her to continue to work like that just so she can go down there and see if she could still do it and then to see how she played like She'll be first or second team all WNBA. If there was an all-star game, she would have been an all-star. She, you know, she was the only player in the league to average 18 and four. Like she is, and she had nights where she still gave us 30. In the last game of the year in the playoffs, she gave us 28 or whatever it was. Like, and she'll still pull up from 28 feet and hit one right in your eye, right? And she'll still throw a no-look pass that's gonna end up, you know, top five on the sports center, top 10. Like, it's just it's been unbelievable to watch her career and it was just so incredibly gratifying with everything she sacrificed with everything she's given up to see her go down there and do that and you know i don't want this to turn into a d love fest because she may watch this but like it's just so meaningful right because all of us that's why we connect with this stuff that's why we connect with these athletes because like they're human right and so to see hard work 
pay off for people to see people who just kept their nose down and just kept doing what they were supposed to do. Like it's totally different, but that's why it was so awesome to watch Javon Carter make seven threes in a game or whatever it was in the wall in the bubble for the Suns. Like this is on a different scale, but it's the same thing, right? That's, that's, I think what's, what's really exciting. Yeah, it, it was very memorable for, to say the least. I mean, like you said, you don't want this to be a, a Diana love fest, but we could go down that route for sure easily. Um, so I'll just do one more topic on DT, and that's yeah. the GOAT t-shirt. Because I know earlier you said, you know, we throw around the term GOAT, but let's be honest, nobody else's face on a GOAT t-shirt would have taken off as much as Diana's did. You saw it literally all across every platform and every athlete and media influencer and and the like, everyone wanted their hands on that shirt. So give me the backstory. How did that come about? Yeah, so like my least favorite word in the English language is influencer, because I don't think it means anything. Um, but um, we had this idea like, okay, you see the, the momentum behind the W, right? And you see where is the love coming from? It's coming from people who love basketball and who either love our game or who love some of our players right and so you spend enough time on twitter which you shouldn't spend very much time on twitter but you spend enough time on twitter and you see lebron and you see you know the greatest basketball players um in the world talking about d and then you also see people like you wouldn't even expect sometimes nfl players media people writers um and so you know our thought was okay we're going to do something right how do we capitalize on that and so the idea was just swag and swag turned into um, a t-shirt and when we talked about the t-shirt we thought well, the one thing we got to do is it's got to look cool because you're not going to wear something no matter how much you love someone you're not going to wear something so something for someone if it doesn't look cool so shirt's got to look cool and we got to get it in the hands of the right people who really love d and who we know love d and so we put together a really short list we put together a really cool design. I told my team, like, don't bring me, like, let's send one to Ellen. Like, no, let's send one to people who have said, like, I love and respect her game. That's uh, and, and she is the best. And so that's what we did. And we did it we, from everything from other W players, uh, media that covers the W, media that doesn't cover the W, great NBA players. Um, and we just sent them out. And we sent them in a really cool box. And we sent them with a really cool note that just basically says, look, like, we know you love her, so, <clears throat> so do we. This shirt is our gift to you, but it's also our gift to her. And, you know, Lindsay, she, the person who liked the shirt the least is her, because um, she doesn't need or want personal attention or personal accolades. And I told everyone, like, what's on the back um, of the shirt is this list of personal accolades that we stole from Scott Van Pelt's show D did um, a post game a post game show for one of the episodes of The Last Dance, and SVP said like I'm gonna put up this list of accomplishments. There's only two basketball players ever who can claim this list. And it's Michael Jordan and it's Diana Taurasi. So that's what we put on the back of that shirt. She doesn't care about the back of the shirt. What she cares about is what's on the sleeve, which is three NCAA titles, three um, WNBA titles, and four Olympic gold medals. So. She's just, um, she's deserving of that. We sent it out. Um, and, you know, Lindsay, I've told you this before, but, you know, we, we knew people would start wearing it. We hoped it would show up on social media. 
um, I didn't know that it would be right away. And as soon as Book got his, um, he put it on his Instagram story. And then he wore it that day to the bubble. Suns were, like, he was the best player in the bubble at that point. Um, Suns were, I think, 6-0. and And here he is wearing this shirt into the game. So between Book and Gino Ariema and then Damian Lillard wore it to the Blazers game one against the Lakers. Um, Sue Bird, Megan Rapino, like um, Shea Serrano, Holly Rowe, like the list. Um, it was really cool. And what was even cooler to see was fans not just say, hey, that's cool, not just say, hey, look at that support, but them say, hey, where can I get one? Um, and so, you know, eventually, after all the inf- – we got some influencers out there. Again, hate that word. Um, and we got the, the, those shirts, and, and, and we teased it a little bit. Eventually, we went on sale, and we've talked about this, but the site shut down from traffic at 9 a.m. Um, when we put it on sale. Uh, once it got back up, all the inventory we had uh, in stock was sold out within five minutes. We went to pre-orders. Um, we're still selling them. We sold them at a big clip over the weekend. Um, they've started to ship um, from the pre-orders. So it's been unbelievable to see the response to it. Um, and you know what? She deserves it. So Definitely. I'll retweet that one. She totally deserves it. And I, I thought it was fun. Like, I know behind the scenes, you guys are probably freaking out that the site crashed. But I think if anything, that just speaks to everything we just talked about with Diana. Like, it I mean, just it makes it a cooler me. story too, right? Like, yes, absolutely. Way more fun to be able yeah. to say, I, I broke your website. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> now fix it so we all can get our shirts. Um, okay, so one of the other cool things about this Wubble situation was that I think it amplified the voices of the women within the W. Um, at an even higher level. I mean, we know that these women have been champions for a really long time, using their voice for the right things for a really long time. But again, this just seemed to amplify that even more. How proud are you of the way that the Mercury was able to um, just be there to support those women and to support those causes? Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't be more proud to be honest with you. Like, look, shut up and dribble isn't a thing. Um, these athletes are people and they come from communities and they have families and they have friends and they have families. Um, they have kids, I should say. Um, and they want a world that is more just for them. They want a world that is more just for other people. And so they, as everyone, um, have a right to say whatever they want to say. And if they have get, got, received this platform, earned this platform, and that's what they want to use it for, um, then more power to them. And, and we're fortunate to be a part of an organization that wants to amplify that. So we, all we wanted to do on the Merck side was follow their lead. Um, and so for our players, um, you know, doing the work was what was important. And they did stuff that was, um, you, you can call it symbolic, like having Black Lives Matter on the floor. They did things that was more, of, that was more about um, raising awareness with Breonna Taylor's name on the back of their jersey. Um, with a moment of reflection um, to start each week before a game, um, honoring different, um, the lives of different people who have lost their lives and honoring those families. Um, They want to do the work. And the Players Association sat on calls every week with community organizers, with local leaders, with parents who have lost children to to police violence. Um, They want to do the work, raising money. They're doing the work. And um, all we can do is help them with that. 
you know, we want to be on the right side of this. We want to, we want to be in support of our players. And, you know, I couldn't be more proud to, of, of everything that they, that they stood up and said, and they want to have conversations. They want to bring people into the circle. They want more people to understand. So, you know, I, I don't need to summarize it. I'm sure our fans have, have seen it. Um, but what's most important to me, Lens, two things. One, them, they are going to use their voices and we're going to help amplify it. But the second thing is to everyone, you know, who, who stands sort of opposed to that and has said, well, then I'm not going to watch or I'm not going to do this or good luck with your league or who cares. You're going to see this come out over the course of the next few weeks. We're just starting to see our regular season ratings. They're through the roof. They're up 50, 60, and 70% in terms of viewership in terms of household share, in terms of people coming and watching our games. And that to me means leaning into the activism of our players, right? It didn't lose us fans. If anything, it cemented us with fans and it may have brought us some more fans, right? Taking advantage of the fact that people need sports, people want sports, people want to support people who care about the same things they care about, right? It's, it's a part of being a human, an American in 2020 to, to want to have your voice heard about issues that are that are really important to you and, and issues that are frankly life and death um, to certain communities. Um, so that's been really exciting to me to see fans respond to that. And it's been really exciting to see the growth of our league as it sort of comes into its own, right? We're, we don't need to be any certain cookie cutter version of anything. Our players, our athletes, our fans can just be who they are. And our league's going to continue to grow because we're on the right side of this, A, and because the basketball continues to get better and better. And I mean, how can you hate a place where you get that high level of basketball and you get to show up and be whoever you are? I mean, call me crazy, but that sounds like a win-win in my book. I mean, I just like, I do, you know, I, 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 like, a, I like a Kelly Oubre windmill once in a while, but I really just, it doesn't get me out of my seat the way D, book, Steph dribbling down the court and pulling up from five feet behind the arc. Like that's, that's what gets me, gets me up out of my seat. So if you want to talk about, you know, the, the brand of basketball that we play as dynamic as our athletes are, like it's all there. And, and, and fans are recognizing that, which has been really, really gratifying. Yes. 100%. Well, Vince, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Um, I'm sure Things are still looking a little bit different in your world, but we're all looking forward to seeing what the next W and Mercury season will look like. And we can't wait to be back in the building for those games, hopefully. Looking forward to being back with our fans in person next year in a hopefully in a brand new, beautiful Talking Stick Resort Arena. Yes, absolutely. All right, well, thank you for joining us. Fans, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. Yo.